first, so that was pretty cool. Um, last year at Christmas, we sponsored, this church, we sponsored a program for 20, about 2,500 kids, um, basically to receive a Christmas gift and to receive the gospel, to hear about Jesus. Um, like I said, money goes a lot farther there than it does, than it does here. Um, so the other day, Brandy reached out to Chip and just said, hey, what's going on? Is there something that we could maybe help out with? And he sent us sort of this little itemized sheet of paper. They are planning to do uh, an outreach program in four different places. Uh, there are two of them in Terrasas and then um, two others in nearby communities. And uh, what they're planning to do is they're having a Christmas party for all of these women that they're working with uh, where they will um, just have the chance to hear the gospel, hear the Christmas story, hear about Jesus, uh, receive a Christmas gift, and probably have the best meal that most of them have ever had in their lives. Uh, that's what will happen at these. And so, uh, so Chip sent us this little inventory sheet of what it was going to cost at each location. And uh, so he sent that over. And incidentally, you might remember two weeks ago, we did a little event. We partnered with World Relief to, to try to meet some needs of vulnerable people in our community who live here in Spokane. And we didn't know dollar for dollar exactly how much we needed, but we just kind of went down the list of everything that was there. We knew we needed a little over $1,000 uh, to just meet every need that was there. And what came in on that Sunday was $1,340. That was how much came in. So Chip sends over this little sheet, and the cost to just meet all four of these, to just cover the whole thing, $1,340 to the dollar. I kid you not. Isn't that, like, isn't that pretty wild? Um, so, so here's what I'm asking you to do. Uh, I know that there are many households who could easily just meet that need and it wouldn't get any worse for the wear. Uh, it would not impact your life in any significant way. Uh, I would love to do something different. What I'm asking is for every person or household in Center Church uh, to consider giving a gift of $100 or less to meet this need. Uh, not, not more, $100 or less. To support these women that you'll never meet uh, in a place that most of you will probably never go. Uh, there's really nothing to be gained for us other than we can meet this need and we can do it together. We can participate in it as a church family, uh, whether that be great or small. And so I'm asking you to consider that. Uh, there's a QR code right there if you want to just throw that up on the screen. Line. Um, you can easily pull out your phone and scan that. Uh, if you scan that, if you've never done it before, uh, you're, it will either take you directly to Center Church's uh, online giving portal or it will open up. Um, a link and ask you if you want to go there. You can give online for that. You can drop it in the red box back there as well. Um, so I'll just ask you to consider doing that, and uh, we're we're going to have to meet that need together. All right, we can do that as a team. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's a privilege to be able to participate in that. Um, okay. So I know that you are just so excited about what I want to share with you today with the time that I have left. Today, what I want to talk about is God's will for your life. Okay. Okay, it's good. Not quite as much enthusiasm as Cookie Feast, but close. Um, okay, so when I hear that, when I hear someone talk about God's will, um, for some reason my mind doesn't immediately go, oh, I bet that's really exciting and fun. Sometimes my mind just immediately goes to like, oh, no, he's probably going to want me to do something awful. Do you do that? Does anyone else do that? Go ahead, just raise your hands. Join me. Okay, okay. I got a couple of weak ones, and everyone else is much more holy than I am. Um, but sometimes that just has kind of a negative connotation, or maybe just like a really spiritual connotation. Uh, like, oh, God wants me to be like a monk or something. Uh, I just want to just demonstrate for you how practical this is. Okay? Many of you have jobs. Most all of you have had a job. Uh, you can just answer me this question out loud, participation right here. 
Does God want you to work hard at your job, yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. So you know the will of God in that situation, right? I don't even have to read to you Colossians 3.23, which says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for men. Okay, so, so see how practical the will of God is? Like, sometimes I think we have a tendency to just really over-spiritualize it, when in reality, God has made full self-disclosure to us right here. And so uh, as we talk about this idea of the will of God, what I really want you to understand is that most of it is just really practical stuff, and it's stuff that you know is better for you than the things you might naturally do. Uh, it, it, it's actually things that we're like, yeah, that's actually probably going to produce good results in my life. Even if you didn't know it was from the Bible, you would probably still know that. Uh, so I just, I just want to point that fact out. Here's what Colossians 3.2 tells us to do. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is, this is sort of the key to the whole process. But what's that mean? Okay, let's just expand that a little farther. Romans 12.2 sort of opens that up a little bit more. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? We'll just take our job as an example. Well, just get through it so you can watch football on the weekend. Or something like that, right? It's drudgery at times. That might be one pattern of this world. Or be really angry at the people who don't agree with you. And some people are even angry at the people who don't agree with them for being angry at the people who don't agree with them. Uh, that's one pattern of this world, right? Don't, don't simply conform to the pattern of this world. Rather... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, when your mind is renewed, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's something we know about God's will from that passage. It's good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. It's not mean, boring, rigid, religious. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. But... We have to have our eyes on it. We have to be looking for it. And that's, that's so much the key. So, a few weeks back, so this plays out in real life. A few weeks back, uh, Brandy and I were at another church. I uh, was uh, sharing something with them on Sunday morning. And uh, I'm hanging out in the lobby. I've been to this church many times. I know many people there. I'm hanging out in the lobby, and I see this person coming in from the parking lot. I'm kind of afraid that this is going on the internet, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. And I see this person come from the parking lot, and like, I know that this person is just kind of a downer. Right? I love them. They're great. They're friendly. But I just know where this conversation is going. So in my mind, I always, like, I ask people how they're doing, what they've been up to, and I'm like, I'm sincerely interested. If I ask you what you've been up to, I legitimately am asking because I want to know. Uh, and so I'm, in my mind, I'm like, don't ask how they're doing. Like, just phrase the question differently. Like, Ask the question very carefully because you know what's going to happen. And, and so, I, like, I know I'm just embarrassed to say that's what I was doing, but that's what I was thinking. But my instinct kicked in. I couldn't help it. And I asked how they were doing. Now, I knew as I'm asking, they're going to admit every single thing that's gone wrong in the world since the last time we saw each other, which had been like a couple of years. Like, I knew that's where it was going. But much to my surprise, I said, How are you doing? And their response was, Pretty good. Well, actually, I got in a car accident, and then I had to argue with the insurance company. It took like two months, and we were down to one car. It's just been, it was just such a headache. It was just awful. And I'm thinking to myself, you did it. You're in now. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, actually, what came to my mind really was, um, 
Somebody should have bought their insurance for Matthew or Robert Insurance, am I right? That would have solved all their problems right there. So, uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in now. And so I just happened to ask the question, well, how long ago was that? About three years ago. Three years? The entire world has been flipped upside down and right and then back upside down again in there. Like, let it go. Just let it go, Jimmy. Let it go. Three years. And the truth is, it wasn't even like a crisis or an emergency. It was just kind of an inconvenience because they had insurance to take care of. And so I was just realizing, like, this is such a good example, right? Somebody, it sounds like, needs to set their mind on things above. Yeah. Uh, somebody is probably not just them. It's probably this guy, too. This is, this is a common behavior. Because in life, you generally get what you go for. But sometimes what we think we're going for is different than what it seems like we're actually going for. You know what I mean? Uh, we might be going for good things, but we might also be just defeating ourselves with our attitude. The way we think really does impact our reality. So if you came, you're here at church, we're like, we're over halfway done already. Uh, if you're here and your expectations maybe are kind of low, like, like God's probably not going to say or do anything incredible uh, in my life through, through this sermon or this particular time. I just, I just want to pray and hope that you'll change your mind. And I want to just turn your attention to what God's word says you should do. He says, set your minds on things above. Be aware. Be cognizant. God has a will for you. And it's a good will. It's a pleasing will. And it's a perfect will. But just know that. Have, have your mind set on that. God is doing too many good things in this community, in this church family, for any of us to want to be like relegated on the sidelines. Um, too many good things are happening. So let's just set our minds right now on things above. A few months ago, we started going through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I know that. That's only three verses, three chapters. It's like a page and a half in my Bible. And we started months ago, and we're still there. Yeah, it's that important, actually. It actually is that important. In short, Jesus' point, the big idea at the end is, build your life on my word, and you'll have a solid foundation for life. That's the big idea that he's teaching. But in order to do that, in order to build our life on that solid foundation, we've got to have our mind on what he's doing. So last week, I talked a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. It's one of the things that's in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus gives a similar uh, teaching on a different occasion. It's recorded in Luke 11. But today, I just want to look at this, this couple of verses real quickly. Uh, it won't actually take that long. And see how we can put this Lord's, this Lord's Prayer into practice. And I just want to say that the idea of prayer sounds really boring, dull to you. Uh, I kind of get that because like, I'm a person of action. If I think something needs to happen, I'm immediately going to, I'm a trial and error guy. Like, I'm just going to start going that direction. Uh, I just want to encourage you to set your mind on things above. The way we obtain a spirit or an attitude of prayer is to continue praying, according to a guy named George Mueller, who was pretty amazing. Not a guy, but neither here nor there. We won't go there. Um, so I just want to pray right now that God will change our minds and give us a desire to be present with him through prayer. But we know that it's, it's in your word. You, you've instructed us so clearly that when we pray, you listen and that you will respond. And so God, I pray you help us to just receive that idea that you're listening, that you'll respond to us with anticipation as we look at what you had to say about how we should pray. God, I pray you would accomplish your will, that you would do just powerful things in our lives and our church. In Jesus' name. So Jesus' instructions went something like this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He says, And when you pray, 
Don't, don't do it to be noticed. Don't make a show of it. Like, just share your heart with God. And when you pray, not, and if you pray, prayer is assumed. Jesus is, Jesus is assuming that if you follow me, if you're a Christian, you're going to want to talk to me. Conversation is a reasonable assumption within a relationship, isn't it? Like, I have a wife, and we talk. We communicate. If you have a friend or a sibling, you, you communicate. That's how relationships work. What would be weird is if God wanted to have a relationship with you, but not communicate. That would make no sense. So for us to try and have a relationship with God with no communication, well, that's sort of an absurd idea, right? To try and have a, a relationship with no form of communication. This is why God gave us his word. Give us the scripture so that we could hear from him. Give us the Holy Spirit so that he could walk with us and guide us. And he gave us the gift of prayer so that we could share with him. Yeah. You, thank you, girl. <laughs> Communication with God is an essential part of a healthy relationship with God. But if I'm honest about it, I would have to say I'm often not really that committed to it until I'm in trouble. And the truth is, if I wait to pray until I'm in trouble... I'm in trouble. I like the, uh, like the, you know, the smoker whose doctor says uh, you have lung cancer, and then they stop smoking. Actually, the statistics say most of them won't stop smoking. Now, if I wait until I get to that stage to stop smoking, I mean, better late than never, still stop. But that same action done sooner could have saved the whole situation. Right? If I wait to pray until I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. So let's just try a little exercise. Let's just put that up on the screen. We'll say that. We'll say that together. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Slide. Uh, let's see. Slide number six there, Lana, if you're looking for it. So, if I wait to pray until I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. Okay. So we'll say we'll say it out loud together. Let's read it. One, two, three. Ready, go. If I wait to pray until I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. Don't wait to pray. Don't wait to talk to God. Do it now. Better late than never. But why not soon? So there's five parts of the Lord's Prayer. Last week we looked at the first one. Jesus teaches us that we should address God as our Father. Which was totally foreign, controversial, absurd in his day. No one, no one had ever done it. This is what he said, Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Addressing God as our Father is a show of honor. We talked about that last week. My kids have one dad, that's me. No one else will ever occupy that space. And so when they call me dad, it's actually not, um, you know, it's not necessarily casual language. It's actually an honoring thing to say because no one else can ever hold that place. When we refer to God as our father, it's actually a term of endearment and honor. When Jesus says, this is how you should pray, he doesn't say this is what you should pray. He says, this is how you should pray. He says, treat God like he's your father. Because it's not about the words. It's about how you orient yourself in relationship to God. So let's take a quick glance at one more verse. Verse 10, this is, our, this is the, the main one. Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for God's will to be done. Jesus is saying, when you pray, you should pray that God's kingdom would come and that his rule and reign would come right here on earth in your life, that he would be in charge. And it's significant because it means that we should pray for God's plans, God's priorities, God's purposes 
to be my plans, my, my priorities, my purpose. Okay, so let's just have a, a moment of honesty. I think that most of us like that idea in principle. Like none of us is going to pray, God, I don't want your plans. I want my own thing. Um, if you're praying that, you should definitely change your tune. Okay. Most of us like that idea in principle. We're, we're good for that. Uh, but you know what it means is, Heavenly Father, you're the boss. Let's do this your way. But here's something we all have in common. We're pretty selfish. We can be pretty selfish. Some, you know, some grow and mature out of that to some degree. Like, you know, it's it's not static. It's in different degrees. But we can be really selfish. So quite often, what happens for me is that I'm more concerned about my comfort than I am about God's kingdom. And that's not like you know. I don't say that to like damn it anyway, that's just the reality of who and how we are. Quite often we're more concerned about our comfort and what I want than what God has in mind. And truthfully, here's the part that kind of stings, I think we're actually pretty good at making up noble excuses for why we are that way. Uh, I think we're pretty good at that. Okay, so that was the bottom of the barrel. That was as painful as it gets. Don't worry. It's all, it's all you know, good and up, up and to the right from here. That's just brutal honesty. Okay, that's, that's a reality of who we are. Now, uh, I just want to give you some good news in that God is not surprised when you act like a human. That's not in any way shocking to him. Uh, he fully expects that humans will be humans. That's why he sent his son to die for us. Amen? Amen. That's really, really good news. God's not shocked by that. He knows who and how we are. But when I pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we should understand that we're actually praying that God will help us get on board with his plans not that he will get on board with our plans. The big question is, why would I do that? Like, things are cruising along kind of okay for me right now. Like, why would I rock the boat? Why would I, why would I pray that God would somehow change the plan? So first, I think we have to dispel the myth, the myth this false assumption, that if God has a will for you, it's bad. Um, or that you can't have, they can't, can't be the same as your will. Uh, nothing says it can't be good for you. In fact, Romans says just the opposite. It's good, it's pleasing, and perfect. In fact, the evidence says that the more you intentionally build your life on God's word, the more excited you get about his will. So the false assumption that God's will for you is going to somehow going to be something you don't want, that's just, that's just built on a false cultural narrative that Jesus is about religion and rules and self-denial. That's, that's just not true. C.S. Lewis said, said it this way, much more articulate. Um, he said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We actually don't set the bar high enough in our desires, is his point. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition. Um, I'd add in, like, you know, leisure and consumerism and, like, the things that we fill our life up with. We're fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. With infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go about making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Don't you wish C.S. Lewis was your pastor? <laughs> the suggestion is that somehow God's will will actually be better than ours. I mean, who would have thought that? That's not really our default, so I'll give you an example. Is it God's will for your, if you're a married person, is it God's will that your marriage would thrive and that you would have a great experience? Yes, yes that is God's will, good answer. Okay, so how does God say you should do that? 
What's his will for how you should go about that? Well, if you were to turn your Bible to Ephesians 5, you would find that he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church by giving yourself up for her. Give yourself up for the other person. And he also says to the wives, Wives, honor your husbands. Submit to them in the way that you would submit to the Lord. Give yourself up for him. And in the end, he says, be devoted to one another. Okay, well, that seems like a pretty good path toward thriving. And I don't think any of us would argue, no, that's not the way. It would be better if one of us was really selfish, right? I think we all can recognize, yeah, God's will actually probably is the way to something better for us. And so just consider this verse, a personal favorite of mine, Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Created or renewed, recreated, if you will, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, God, God has restored you in Christ, and he's prepared good works, good things for you to do with your life. Now, there are hundreds of verses in the Bible that would point to the same end and say, in essence, that God is not trying to take something away from you and make you miserably deprived. What he's actually trying to do is he's trying to replace futility in our lives with something that is unending, with real hope and real purpose. He's trying to replace that, and perhaps that's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake will find it. So why should I surrender my will to God's will? Because Jesus said that when we give up our will in exchange for his, we'll actually find a truly satisfying life instead of just circling the cul-de-sac again on the same things that we've been trying all along. To build your life on the foundation of Christ is to exchange your kingdom for his. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I think this is how I have often sort of read and quoted this particular verse. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread. Left something out right there, right? Don't like, don't, don't like that middle section. Don't like that as much. Like, I know you're a good heavenly father, and you're, worried to be, you're worthy to be worshipped, and I'm totally on board with that. Okay, so here's what I need. Like, that's kind of the sequence that I have a, t have a tendency to follow. Um, we have a tendency, maybe, to treat prayer like sort of a little bit like a drive-thru, right? Like, um, like, we pull into Chick-fil-A, and we place our order... And, uh, you know, we place our order with God, and then we drive around to the other side, and with 90 seconds, exactly what we order is in the bag right there waiting for us with a smile. Because if God's going to have a job in a drive-thru, I mean, he's obviously going to work at chick fil Like, that's not even, no reasonable person would argue that point. Uh, you know, like, we're just going to drive right up to Chick-fil-A. So, so let's, just, let's just pretend. Just an exercise. Don't accuse me of anything like heretical. Let's just pretend that prayer actually was like going through the drive-thru. Chick-fil-A. Okay? So, um, so I tell you what. You're sitting in the front row. Come up here and help me. Okay. Right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you God. Here you go. Here's your hat. You work at Chick-fil-A. You put that on. Okay. Okay. Good job. Um, so if I come to Chick-fil-A and I order something, and you give it to me, and I say, thank you. Nice smile. My pleasure. Yes. Okay. You're going to say, my pleasure. Okay. So you're going to be really good at this game. I think you can... I think you can totally hand it. Handle it. Okay. So let's just imagine. I drive into the drive-thru, and God's waiting there and says, Welcome 
how can I, how can I help you? Can I take your order? I don't know the line, but use a Chick-fil-A. Uh, and uh, my expectation is that I'll say what I need. And I'm gonna pull around, and you're gonna have it just waiting for me, perfectly, exactly as I ordered it, no matter how high maintenance I am about my chicken sandwich. You're gonna hand it to me, I'm gonna look at the bag, and it's just what I want, and I'm gonna say, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, okay. God, thank you for blessing me with this, a new job. Oh, I'm so thankful. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes. Um, God, thank you for blessing me financially. Oh, you are so good at this. Thank you for keeping me healthy and comfortable. My pleasure. Oh, you're, you're crushing this. Thank you for helping me avoid that difficult conversation that really needs to happen, but I just don't want to do it. Thank you for helping me get into my dream college. My pleasure. Oh, you're so good at this. Okay. You can sit down. You can sit down. Okay. Um, here's the question, though. What if it was like that, and you pulled around to the window, and you opened a bag, and God put something else in there? What if God wants to put something different in the bag than what you're ask, asking for? You just like deny, like, no, this isn't my bag. Give, give me something different. Um, do you get angry or frustrated? Like, were you even listening back there when you were there with the tablet and the thing? Were you even listening to what I asked for? Do you maybe bargain with God? It's not really what I wanted, but I'll take, I'll take some of this. If you throw in free soda, we'll just call it good. Do you get discouraged? always happens to me. I never get what I want. Or are you able to look at it and say, God might actually know more than I know. Maybe this is something better. Thank you. My pleasure. Are you able to do that? How will you respond if God has different plans? So let's try this interactive. Um, has anything in life ever worked out differently than you hoped it would? Okay. Are you able to say, God, I know that you are working in this. I know that you have good, pleasing, perfect plans for me, so I'm gonna trust you. That's a hard thing to pray, isn't it? That, that can be very difficult. Um, at sometimes near impossible, depending on the circumstance. I think all of us would say, of course I'd surrender to God's will. Or, or at least most of us would say, of course I'll surrender to God's will. Like, if I knew for sure that God was pointing me in this direction and saying, go this way and do this, of course I'd go along with it. You know, at some point. Like eventually. You'll be like, right now, do you, Pastor Kelly? You're not talking about, like, right now, right? Like, it's later. Um, perhaps we could strike up a deal. Maybe I could, you know, I used to work with this guy named Dave. I know you're going to think I'm picking it up. That was actually his name, Dave. Uh, older guy, he was sort of quasi-Catholic, but he was Catholic in the sense that he said he was Catholic, and nothing about his life other than that, you know, suggested that he might be a Christian. Uh, occasionally, we'd have conversations about faith, and, and he would say things like, me and the Lord, we got a deal. Me and the big guy, we got, we got, we worked out a plan. And I would just be like, yeah, I don't know, man. It seemed like how it should work. But, but that's how he would, he would, he would talk, right? Because he wanted to just avoid any difficult conversations. Sometimes we pray like this. God, if you just tell me what you want from me, if you just tell me your will for my life, I promise I will definitely give it some consideration. <laughs> like, I will put it on the list of things I'm thinking about doing, and not at the bottom, like, you know, like middle, top, like pretty close up there. I'll definitely think about it. Now, what's funny about that is 
in no way up there going, really? You'll consider it? No, this is just great. Thank you for thinking about considering possibly maybe even taking some action on my plans. My pleasure. You got it, God. Um, I don't think that he's, he's really thinking about it that way. There's a story in Matthew 19, and we'll kind of wrap up with this. Uh, a, a person that we know as the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, what must I do, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, what's your will for me? What, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do in this situation? And Jesus says, well, you know, he's a Jewish guy, right? This is before the cross. Um, so he says, well, you know, how about keeping the commandments? That'd be a great place to start. And the rich young ruler is like, oh, that's great. This, this is awesome because I have kept them all since I was a child. I love this. But he must have known that something wasn't quite right in his life. Uh, because he made the mistake, he's in now, of asking a follow-up question. I don't know if it was a mistake, but he must have known that something was missing. Because if you think about this guy, he's basically crushing it at life. He's rich. He's young. He has a position of authority. We know that he has outstanding characters since he kept all the commandments. So, like, he, he has all these things, and he did it the right way. He's not like a crypto poser out there ripping people off. He's a good guy, and he's got everything going for himself. And yet he asked Jesus, what still do I lack? And Jesus changes up the order on him in a pretty crazy way. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the disciples said, Wow, it must be impossible for anyone to get into the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler walks away. And Jesus doesn't chase him down like, Wait, consider it. Think about it. Just, just pray about it. Because that's what we say when there's nothing left to say. As if, you know, he's actually going to do it. Jesus just lets him go. And the disciples are like, What's happening? You're just chasing people away? And Jesus says in verse 26, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know what it really is an expression of? Um, I don't think God needs my permission to do his will and to bring his reign here on earth. But really what I'm praying is, God, help me to get on board with your plans. Help me accept the knowledge that your plan is actually better than mine and to bring my life into alignment with it. God's made all kinds of promises to you in Scripture. He's promised that when we lay down our will and we enter into His family, we begin to live for His plans and purposes. When we do that, He becomes our Father. He becomes our provider, our protector. Our sure foundation, our source of joy, our confidence, our guide. He looks on us with love and grace. And when it's all over, good news. We can spend eternity with him. It's a pretty great deal. So the question before each one of us is this. Whose kingdom will I spend my life building? Okay, so you know, in our society, if you build your own kingdom really well, here's what happens. Um, you get to spend the last 10 years of your life not worrying about money. That's, that's what happens if you build your kingdom really well in our society. Okay? The question is, whose kingdom will I give my life to building? This is the question we face as individuals and as a church, because we have the option to do the easiest, most comfortable thing, or 
to build our lives on the foundation of Christ and live our lives on the mission of Christ. So I want to ask you to do this. If you would, if you would just stand with me. I want to pray a prayer of faith that God would, in fact, do work in our hearts. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would move in your heart right now to desire God's kingdom and to desire His will for your life, just as it is in heaven. And I pray that our minds would be renewed by your power, by your Holy Spirit, so that we could know your good and pleasing and perfect will. God, I pray that for each of us as we get ready to turn over the new year, you would help us to prioritize building our lives on your word and being present with you through prayer. God, we thank you for your goodness that you have made a way for us to come and be with you and to know you and be known by you. So Lord, I pray you would help us to just fully embrace the power of that opportunity that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Rick.